So if you would, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. As you get there, I would also just appreciate your prayers. Um, Feels like this past week week or so has been a whirlwind and our family feels like a mess. (laughs) So uh, just appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for your love. Um, Well, yeah, turn with me to Philippians 1. As we turn from our series on baptism, and by the way, if you did not get to listen to all those sermons on baptism, I really encourage you to do so. They are really, really important for the life of our church. And so if you missed any, uh, please go back and make sure they're all on the website right now. So go ahead and uh, listen to those. And if you have any questions, we still would love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to voice any questions you may have. All right. So as we move from that, uh, we're going to be in Philippians for the next four weeks. So one chapter a Sunday, Lord willing. We'll see what happens, but um, it's really important for us to always keep going back to the thing, the one thing that unites us most, right? The things, the main thing, why we are here to gather together as a church, and why we're not just a club, why we're not just a, you know, a a group of people coming together for a hobby. We're here together for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? And so the gospel is the thing of greatest importance. And so I hope that we'll meditate on that together over the next few weeks. Now, um, before I get too wordy, let me just give you very easy two things I'm going for. Okay? Number one, I want you to see that the gospel is of first importance. The gospel is a thing of the greatest importance, and therefore, we should give our lives to it. Okay? God, the gospel is of first importance. Let me actually read from 1 Corinthians 15. This is Paul's words. And he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelfth, and then to more than five hundred, and so on. So the gospel of matter of first importance is the fact that Jesus came, he lived the perfect life that you could not live, that you were supposed to live before God, and you are not able to measure up to, he lived that life, and then he died on the cross for your sins, so that whoever would believe and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of their sins, Jesus' death will be counted to you. He will be your substitute, and you would find forgiveness with God the Father. And then he rose from the death, so he rose victoriously. Death no longer has a hold on him or on us. So we rose victoriously with him, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the thing we have to insist on, that is the thing that you have to build your life on. So that's number one. Gospel is the first important. Secondly, it is not good for us to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone in your Christian walk. And we are better when we are together. We are better and stronger and more fruitful, as I hope you'll see, when we come together with other believers partnering in the gospel. So... We're going to see here in just a second that Paul's greatest life ambition, the thing that drove him the most, the thing that he wanted more than anything else, was to see Christ glorified. And yet we see that that does not come with easy results, right? Paul is a man who suffered much. It's just, I could go on and on, but just to suffice it to say, the book of Philippians, Paul is writing from prison. Okay? Paul and Timothy together are writing from prison. So that means that Paul is actually suffering for being righteous. So he is suffering for making his ambition the gospel. He could have stopped at any point, but yet he said, this is going to be the thing that's most important, and I will suffer whatever it takes to make sure that I live up to it. So how, how on earth 
Could the Apostle Paul, who's working so hard to see the gospel proclaimed, and yet keeps coming after suffering and suffering and suffering, persecution, trial, obstacle and obstacle, how on earth could he still remain faithful and, as we'll see, joyful in the midst of it? How could somebody do that? And then let me bring it up to ourselves, okay? Why does this passage matter to us? Well, ask yourself, do you struggle to be thankful on a weekly basis? Do you struggle to be joyful? Do you struggle to stand firm when others come against you? Okay, and this is especially true of those of you, as you think back on your Christian life, you've taken some, a lot of you have taken very significant steps of faith. You've taken significant steps of faith, and that has costed you. Okay, that's cost you a lot. So how on earth are we to remain firm, to be faithful when we are faced with so much persecution and so many obstacles? The answer is that we come together through partnership. Okay? And that's why I want you to see that the strength that comes as a result of working alongside others for the sake of Christ is the thing that will help us, that God is using to help us and help us to remain faithful. I know, okay, I know for a lot of you, especially at work and in Bloomington, it really feels like we are alone, right? In many ways, it feels like we're alone. But I want you to know that is actually not true, okay? God, throughout history, has always kept a remnant for himself, a faithful remnant for himself who is working, who is striving to see Christ glorified. And so it may feel like you are alone, but you are not. There are people who are faithful, who are still seeking to see Christ glorified, truly, purely, and so I want you to think, how can I give my life to the gospel? How can I give my life for those people? How can I strengthen them? How can they strengthen me? Okay, and then I think you'll be blessed by that. So that's what we're going to do. Is as we walk through Philippians 1, I just want you to see the blessings that come as a result of making the gospel the first thing that matters in your life. And secondly, the blessings that come as a result of truthful and faithful gospel partnerships. But before we do that, let's come to the Lord for um, prayer. Oh, most heavenly Father, we um, are weak. We're weak men. We need you. We cannot stand on our own. We are sinful. We um, are deceived in many ways. We are proud. And Lord, we have no reason to be. And so, Lord, I just pray that this morning would just be a reminder of your greatness and the greatness of your gospel, that you would ground us on what matters most, and that you would help us to strive to not just be content where we're at, but to strive for your glory, Lord, and that we would do it together. Would you help us, and would you give us opportunities, Lord, to be able to do this, that we would be encouraged and strengthened by seeing you at work, not just in our lives, not just in the lives of the people in our church, but even outside of the walls of our church, Lord. Would you help us to see you at work, and Father, may that be the thing that gives us the courage to stand firm in this evil day. So I just ask for your help for me to preach faithfully, for us to hear from your word, to put it into practice, Lord, that we would not have deaf ears to this. So for all of this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's walk through it together. Let's read verses 1 and 2. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, from the very beginning, I want you to see that we always think of Paul, right? It's just Paul, Paul, Paul. But Paul is not alone. Okay? Paul is never alone in these things. Okay? We see Paul working alongside Timothy. Okay? What an encouragement Timothy must have been to Paul. 
to have somebody working so closely with him. And then it's not just Paul and Timothy, okay? He's writing to the church, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, okay? A whole body of believers working to see Christ glorified, coming together with overseers and deacons, okay? So Paul and Timothy working together with the Philippian church, okay? You see already there's a partnership, there's groups coming together and working together. And then not just that, right? The most important thing is that God is with them, okay? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're never alone because we're with God. And God wants to see his name glorified even more than we do. So let's keep making our way through our passage. Verses 3 to 5. And here we'll see the first blessing that I want you to see. First, maybe, it's first maybe one or two. Thanksgiving and joy. Okay, I'm just going to combine them into one big one. Okay, first blessing that we're going to see from working together in fruitful gospel partnerships, faithful gospel partnerships, is thanksgiving and joy. So let's read verses 3 to 5. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay. You see, oozing out of the text, right? Thanksgiving for the Philippians church. Joy. Okay. And how could, again, how could Paul be joyful? Again, he is in prison, suffering for the sake of Christ, how can he still find joy even in prison? Why is he thankful for? Verse 5, he's thankful. He's making his prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, so what is this partnership? Okay, let's study this a little bit. What does this partnership look like? Uh, if you flip just the page over to um, chapter 4, we'll quickly look, verses uh, 15 through 16. This is how Paul kind of ends his letter. and He says, um, 4, 15 through 16. Oh, let's start at 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves, you know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. All right, so we don't know a lot of the details of what this partnership looked like, but it is very clear that one of the reasons why Paul is writing the letter to the Philippian church is because he wants to thank them for their love and for their partnership with him in the gospel. Okay, so there's a very clear giving and receiving. Okay, Paul giving his life, working for the sake of the Philippian church, that they would grow, that they would be sanctified, giving his life for them, and they receiving it, heeding from it, and then giving themselves offering to help and to offer to whatever it is needed for Paul to be able to do his work, to be able to meet his needs. Okay, so in many ways, right? That's, think about for yourself. Think about all the people who have labored for you, who have given their life to see you grow. And ask yourself, are you actually engaged in a giving and receiving partnership? You have people in your life who care deeply for your spiritual growth. How are you receiving from them? How are you heeding to their words? And then how are you giving? How are you seeking to honor those men? How are you seeking to honor those who labor, who care for you? How are you seeking to care for their needs? All right, this is a wonderful partnership. We have the opportunity to do this. Okay, this is not just a Philippian church thing. We as a church have the opportunity to engage with others and to grow together. Okay, and so let's think about what does this look like? Okay, how do we actually see this played out? How does joy and thanksgiving actually come when we partner with others for the sake of the gospel? Well, let, let me give you one clear example from this past week, all right? If you guys know, the Snyder family, Snyder family has been a church who has loved us from afar for years to come now, and they've been so generous to our church, and they sent a, church, a check to our church just this week just to be able to bless our ministry and to thank us for being here and working in Bloomington, all right? I don't, 
I've, we've, I've never met them. We've seen them on the computer, and yet they have such a heart and a love for us that they want to partner with us in the gospel. And what does that bring for us? That should bring so much joy. That should be, we should be so thankful that there will be somebody, even in a different city, that wants to come alongside what we're doing here in Blooming. That is such a wonderful thing. Okay, think about the huts, right? The huts, the missionaries in Chad. Think about modern. And think about whenever we hear from them and what God is doing in their respective countries and how wonderful it is to hear from them. Think about the other churches in our town that we have a good relationship with. And think about the men and women who are coming to be saved, who are being baptized. Okay, all of these things should just be cause and reasons for us to rejoice, that our weeks should really be made because we hear how God is at work in all of those. So, the first blessing from gospel partnerships, from giving ourselves to the life of the, for the sake of the gospel, is thanksgiving and joy. Let's keep walking through our passage. Verse 6, Paul says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Okay? He's very confident. He's very sure. We're going to come back to this in a little bit. Verses uh, 7 through 11. Here we'll see the second blessing that I want to focus on, and that is love. Okay, a growing love. Let's read. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. Okay, just hear the Apostle Paul's affection and love towards the Philippian church. I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Okay, that is a wonderful verse to hear. For I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul is so devoted to the Philippian church, and we'll see just how devoted he is, that he has such a yearning and such an affection towards them. Okay? He has given his life for them, and now the Lord has knit his heart towards that church. Okay? He has devoted his life to the gospel and to them specifically. So how can you grow in this? Okay? Do you love your brothers and sisters? Maybe what you need to do is devote yourself to the, to the gospel. Okay, maybe you've been devoting yourself to something else. We are going to love and treasure those that we're walking with, those who are walking and working for the same things that we're working. So if you give your life to the gospel, you will love and you will grow to appreciate and treasure your brothers and sisters who are doing the same thing, who are engaged in the same conflict as we are, who are engaged in the same mission. But maybe some of you have lost sight of your mission. You've lost sight of your purpose. You've actually not made the gospel the first priority. And so it is not a surprise that you would not love those who are seeking to make Christ known because that is no longer your first goal and importance. And so would you return to the Lord? Would you devote your life to the gospel? And then would you love those who are doing that work with you, okay? who are suffering with you, who are striving with you? Invest your life in the lives of your brothers and sisters. Invest yourself. Okay? Give of your life. No, give of your time sacrifice in order to be able to know them, to see what, how they're doing, how God is at work. What I don't want you all is to be isolated, okay? Isolation is the enemy of love. You will not be able to love those when you don't even know them, okay? When you're isolated, I want you to be growing. So let me give you another example. What does this look like? How do we grow in love towards those who are faithfully working for the sake of the gospel? 
Let's think of specific men, all right? So let's think of when uh, Matt, uh, Matt Shockney, came to do Joel and I's ordination here at the church. Shouldn't that just grow your love for Matt and the fact that he'd be willing to come and do that for us? And by the grace of God, you know, our love is growing towards him and his church. You know, you think of Stephen Baker coming to preach and come to the men's retreat, Tyler coming to our men's retreat a few, you know, maybe, was it last year? Whenever it was that he came. That should just grow your love for those men that are willing to come and love us and teach us and instruct us and that who are doing the same thing with their flock. So love those men, treasure those men. How can you come alongside them and let your love grow? Because love, at the end of the day, is the fruit of the Christian life. Thirdly, we're going to see here, fruit and a blessing of fruitful, partner, uh, fruitful gospel partnerships is the advance of the gospel. Okay? The advance of the gospel. So we actually see ways in which the gospel is advanced as we work with others. Let's read verses 12 through 14. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So the third blessing is the advance of the gospel. Okay? If you think back a few months ago, when Josh uh, preached against the um, autonomy of the local church, we are, we are to be reminded that it is not good for us as a church to be alone because we need accountability. Okay? That was one of the points, is we need to be accountable. We need others to be able to help us, to instruct us, to help us along in our maturity. But I want you to also focus on another reason why it is not good for us to be alone, and that is because we can be more fruitful when we have others together with us. Okay? We can bear much more fruit together. We often just think, right, that if you have sinners coming together with more sinners, that all we're going to have is more sin. And in a sense, that is true. Okay? When you have a sinner coming together with a sinner, there's just going to be an abundance of sin. But at the same time, you also forget that when you have sinners coming together committed, okay, who have the Spirit of God in them, you don't also just have more sin. You also have the opportunity to bear more fruit together. Just as a husband or a wife, right? A husband or a wife, when they come together, now there's more opportunities for sin because you're coming together as one. But yet that's not the whole picture. The picture is that now you can actually glorify God more, better. You can picture the gospel better together than you could alone and separately. And so just like that, we are to be engaged in the gospel work with others. It is not good for us to try to just do the Christian life alone. We should come together, seek to glorify God, that there could be much glory given to the Lord. Okay, imagine what would have happened if Paul and Timothy were just by themselves. And they would have just said, you know what, I'm just so, like, I have so much zeal. I want to go and preach. And it doesn't matter what happens to me, but nobody else has to know it. Okay, I don't have to have accountability. I don't have to have a church. I don't have people that know what I'm doing. I'm just going to go and do my own thing. Well, they sent to prison. The gospel might stop right there for them, right? But what happens here is Paul and Timothy are faithful, they're bold, they strive, they get them, they sent, they're sent to jail, and then what happens? Verse 14, most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay, if you're engaged with others, if you trust that the Lord is working through others as well, and they can come along alongside you, then you'll see that the gospel does not stop when one stops preaching, but others can come aside and take on 
uh, what Paul has started. Okay? There's most of the brothers became more confident because of Paul's faithfulness. So, so far we've seen thanksgiving joy, love, the advance of the gospel. Let's read verses 15 through 18, and we're going to just stop there for a second, and I'm going to try to make a couple points. So verses 15 through 18. Paul says, Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? This is Paul's response. It's so wonderful. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Okay, so what on earth does this mean? Okay, what on earth? How can we, how can we today, how can we obey this? How can we actually have the same heart that Paul had? Because a lot of us will go wrong on this, okay? Some of us will want to just give a free pass, okay? This verse, what this section is saying is that we should just be happy anytime somebody says Jesus' name, okay? It doesn't matter how they're doing it, how they're saying it. It doesn't matter, you know, what their theology is. If they have a good doctrine of Christ or the cross, it's a free pass. As long as they're sharing the name of Jesus, that's all that we need to care about. And we should be thankful we're supporting them, okay? But I want you to know that is not what Paul is saying in this passage here. Paul is not giving people a free pass to think whatever they want about Jesus. Paul is very zealous that Christ will be proclaimed purely. Paul would not rejoice when the gospel would be corrupted. And neither should you rejoice when that happens. Okay, Paul here is not talking about the purity of the gospel, okay? In some sense, okay, and this is, I was really helped by Calvin in this, even though there's still some things we just don't understand. In some way, these men were preaching a true gospel, okay? They were not corrupting the gospel. They were preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet they were doing it with bad motives, okay? They were doing it out of envy, out of rivalry, out of selfish ambition, Okay, and what this means and what this looks like, I don't know that I'm 100% sure. And that's okay. But we know that there are ways to preach the gospel that are done in bad motives. And what Paul is saying that even in bad motives, even in bad motives when somebody is doing it out of selfish ambition, but as long as Christ is truly proclaimed, proclaimed and the true gospel is going forth, yet I will rejoice. I will rejoice. So for most of us, the reaction will be, okay, we're going to be so critical. Anytime we hear somebody preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel, we're going to be so critical. Oh, did you hear how they said that? Oh, do you know, like, maybe they're doing it for this reason? Okay, what I want for you is not for your first reaction not to be so critical. Okay, I want you to be humble. That you will also sin in the process of sharing the gospel. Okay? Especially, okay, I want you to especially have patience and humility, especially if you're not yourself doing it. Okay, it's silly, right? It's Think of the illustration. It's silly when uh, us guys get together on the couch and we watch football, and it's like, oh, man, that guy is just so terrible. That guy, you know, that guy who is uh, an NFL player, who is a professional, making millions of dollars, that guy is just so terrible. And yet what am I doing? Sitting on the couch just complaining, and I'm not even engaged in what he's trying to do, right? In a similar way, we should have some humility if we're not ourselves actually seeking to give our lives to the gospel that we're careful Okay, they were careful to not criticize those who are seeking to give their lives to it. Okay? I want you to not be critical, but to be faithful to the Lord. Okay? So can you rejoice? Can you rejoice when others share um, 
Christ crucified and raised from the dead. What about when other churches, okay, when you hear other churches, can you rejoice when the gospel is truly being proclaimed? Even when you maybe have a sense that maybe there's, you know, bad motivation in there, can you still be glad when sinners come to repentance because of the work that God is using, using them? Okay, let's think of a very specific example to our church, all right? What about harvest, right? Think of, you know, like in many ways there's, you know, when you think of James McDonald and you think, you think back in your mind, you're like, oh, there's, there was pride, there was greed, you know, how could anything good come out of it? And yet, what are we but a product of harvest, church, okay? Like we should have some humility for this, that God can use monsters for his glory. God can use monsters to bring glory to himself. And you know why that is? It's because the surpassing power belongs to him and not to us. So let us never make much of a man preaching the gospel. Let us make much of Christ. And so maybe this is just a help to you, okay, as to you grow in humility. And maybe in other ways, just think about this, okay? Think about um, maybe the men or the women who strive to help you know the Lord. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's somebody else in the church. Whoever it was that maybe first introduced you, helped you walk, helped you grow and be sanctified, okay? Think about that person. And now think, are you, like, aligned with them on every single thing? Or do you look back and you're like, well, you know, now I see like a lot of pride in them. I see a lot of, you know, ego and things that are wrong. And yet, can you see how God used even that to be able to bring you to himself? And so be thankful, church. Be thankful. Can you just seek to honor and can you just find ways to think highly and to rejoice and to see the good and to uphold, okay? Do not forget, uphold, always uphold the true gospel. Are we good in that? Fourth blessing is confidence. Fourth lesson is confidence. As we seek to uphold the true gospel, the fourth blessing that we will often see is confidence. Um, let's read verse 19, and then we'll go back. Um, and the 18. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Okay, so confidence. We derive confidence as we work with others as and as we see God at work to the lives of others. Okay, let's go back actually. Verse 6. Okay, I so said we would come back to this. Here we are. Paul says, and I am sure of this. I am sure of this. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, here Paul's confidence in the Lord. Okay, but also keep going. Verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident... And the Lord, by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay? The men are more bold, more confident because of the work of Paul, because of his courage. Their courage continues. And now we get to verse 19. Why is Paul so confident that this will turn out for his deliverance? Okay, why are we so confident? Why is he so confident that this will that he will be delivered from this trial? He says this, for I know that through your prayers, through your prayers. And the help of the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, okay? These work in tandem. Through the prayers of those laboring with you, God actually uses those to be able to give Paul confidence, to be able to give you confidence. And this is all work of the Holy Spirit. So you should derive confidence as you think of examples of faithful men who are being bold, okay? When you see boldness and you recognize that same Spirit is at work in them. I mean, think about like an example like the... Uh, Canadian pastor, just about a year ago, right, that got 
um, arrested, if you guys remember that story. He got arrested for preaching, for opening his church and saying, I'm, we are going to proclaim the gospel. He was arrested. He was taken away from his family, and yet he was bold, and he was faithful. You think of even a few years back, right? You think of the persecuted church. You think of the Chinese church, um, early reign covenant. Can you think of the pastor who was, the whole church was raided, okay? Elders were taken. The pastor was taken into custody, to jail for many, many months, okay? And yet he was bold. He never wavered because the Lord was with him. And that same spirit that helped him be bold, helped them be bold, is the same spirit that is living in us. And so there should be, for us, there should be a growth in our boldness and our confidence as we see those men being faithful. Verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Again, we see courage. The confidence continues. The verse 21, maybe one of the key verses in all Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Say it again. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Again, Paul is reminding us, our lives ought to be all about Christ. Our, our lives are to be for Christ. Even our death is to be for Christ. Everything about us ought to be for Christ. And so that's why it's so important that when you are engaged with partnerships, that you always keep Christ at the center. Verses 22 to 26. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Okay, so right now, Paul, what he's going to do is he's going to put two of his greatest desires. His first desire is to be with the Lord. His second is to see them growing, to labor for them. And they're going to be kind of put to, you know, against each other almost. And I just want you to hear, all I want you to hear from this passage, I just want to hear Paul's love and Paul's commitment to the Philippian church, okay? So, um... Which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. This is a hard decision. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Okay? So Paul's desire really is to be with the Lord, away from any more conflict, all the suffering, all of that gone, and he just wants to be with the Savior. Okay? And let me ask you, do you? Could you say with Paul that your desire is to be with Christ? Was your desire to depart me with Christ? Was that your greatest goal? Is that your greatest desire? Because <coughs> that is good. That is far better. But then Paul also is so committed that he knows that to remain in the flesh is more necessary in your, on, on your account. And therefore, verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you might have ample cost to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Again, the beauty of just the partnership and the glory and the joy and the rejoicing that can come from working together. Make your life about Christ. Make him your greatest desire. And so when you see men walking with him, you will be encouraged. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Stop there again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Can any of us say this for our lives? And if you know yourself, you know that by yourself, on your own, this is not true of you. Your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How glorious is the gospel of Christ, okay? 
How glorious. How does it display the glory of Jesus? And yet, look at your life. Look at your life. You can look at your last week. Is it worthy of that glorious gospel? And if you're honest with yourself, you'll say no. You'll say no. And the thing is, it will never be in this side of eternity. We will always have work to do to grow, to be sanctified. To do, there's always more to be done in our hearts. And therefore, I don't want you ever to get to a point where you're content in your relationship with God. There's always more to be done. And therefore, there's always going to need for us to be with one another, to be with others. So this is a high call. Okay? We will never measure up. Therefore, we need each other. Strive to be with each other. Help others around you that their manner of life may be more worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ than it was yesterday. The last blessing that I'm going to point out is the blessing of strength. And we need strength on our day. And I want you to, I want you to know that you need strengthened. All of us need strengthened. And this comes also as a result of God's blessing uh, through others. So two, two ways in which we're strengthened. We're strengthened to stand firm, and we're strengthened in the midst of suffering. Let's keep reading. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm. Okay, and how are they standing firm? How on earth is God helping them stand firm? In one spirit, you hear the unity. With one mind, again, the unity again. And what are they doing? Striving side by side. Side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightening anything by your opponents. That would be a wonderful thing that we could say. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. So you're strengthened to stand firm in the midst of an evil day. And lastly, you're strengthened to suffer. Okay, church, I know that a lot of us are suffering, and a lot of us have gone through a lot of suffering. And so may, would you just be encouraged and helped by others to help you and to strengthen you as you suffer, okay? You really have real ways in which you can be helped in your suffering through the way, way that God uses others in your life. Verses 29 to 30. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Okay, we're going to suffer. Verse 30, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Okay, the Philippian church doesn't just leave Paul to his own suffering and alone, and they just hope he's doing well. They are actually, in real ways, engaged in the same conflict. They are seeking to bear his burden, seeking to help him. He's seeking to actually feel what he's feeling and come alongside and help. They are engaged in the same conflict that they saw that he had, and now here that I still have. The Philippian church is there for Paul. And I just want you to see, in your suffering, when, as you think of your suffering, it can be really hard to do it in the middle of it. So I just want to remind you, and if you're getting prepared to suffer, remember this, suffering is also something that has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, okay? Suffering is not just something that happens that means that God has deserted you, that God will not be with you. Suffering means that God has actually entrusted you with something giving you a privilege to suffer for his sake, okay? It has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. As you are suffering, consider that the Lord is actually thinking of your life and seeing you as somebody that he is entrusting you with the suffering so that he would be able to get the glory from your suffering. Okay, recognize that your suffering is not just to make you miserable. Your suffering is a privilege, an honor that God is granting you so that you would be able to make much of him and recognize that he is the only one worth living for, and that you would make that known to others. So that's all. Big picture, 
Make the gospel your first ambition, church. And then seek ways, okay? Pray, consider, what are some ways in which we can actually come together as a church and come alongside others that can be helpful, can be strengthening in our growth, okay? We have a lot of growth to do this. Even as a church, we have growth to do this. And would you pray for us that God would provide opportunities for us, for us to be able to be engaged in fruitful gospel partnerships that would actually be an encouragement and that would actually derive much strength and joy for you individuals, all right? So would you pray for us? Would you pray for yourself? Would you seek when you just keep your eyes open for opportunities to engage in the same conflict with believers and to love them and encourage them? Because God can really use you mightily in the lives of others. So let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, this is too much for us. And we know that uh, the Christian life is a hard road. And so I thank you, uh, Father, that you do not leave us alone in that. Lord, that you are with us, that you will never... Uh, forsake us. And Lord, that you actually use men and women to come alongside us and help us in that uh, mission. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to focus on what's most important on our firm foundation that is you? And Lord, may we live lives that are worthy of that gospel that we so adore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.